What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, it's been a minute. Uh, welcome back. It's been a minute. I'm glad we uh, glad we fired up the old podcast again, get things back rolling. Um, life's been busy for both of us and just trying to trying to get back on the grind and, you know, We've had we've had a couple things happen while we've been we've just, gone dark. Just a couple, <laughs> just a couple things. So we definitely need to get back on and kind of get ramped back up. Um, but yeah, I mean we have a new national champion. So um, it's not Georgia; they weren't in the playoff. It's not Alabama. It's the Michigan Wolverines, brother. This is big time historical. The fact that. First time since what 1946. Um, it's kind of weird to to see that uh, almost not be an SEC team, um, you know. So just kind of it's crazy that we're also having coaches move specifically from these teams. So where do you want to start tonight? I do want to laugh. I mean, Michigan. Uh... Two things. I'll laugh first, and then I'll give some praise words to you. Uh, you know, I'm I'm twenty I'm twenty seven. Had to think about that for a second. Twenty seven, yeah. turning twenty eight this year. Um, uh, you know, Michigan is always like, oh, they're the winningest football program like in the history of the sport. They hit their thousandth win this year. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking, and I'm like, gosh, it's like since I've been watching, and you know, like when you start watching football, you know, like you learn at least like the recent history leading up to your era of football where it's like, yeah. oh, okay. So like I learned like the nineties and kind of like starting the eighties and I'm like, oh wow, Michigan like has never had like a standalone national title. Like and 97 was shared, but even that was the only one. And I'm like, how are they the winningest? It's just funny to me how many of those winningest programs got all their wins when there was like 10 total college football programs playing right. each other in like the thirties and like, People are like smoking on the sideline and then like going and, you know, Drinking running for 40 yards. And, right. Yeah. Or, or a course at halftime. And just like, I mean, great. And it's like, that's what we're counting as anyway. I digress. <laughs> Michigan also Go did off. something impressive. They beat Washington bad enough where I was worried they weren't going to. They finished number one, the number one team in SP plus. So. If they didn't score those last couple touchdowns, really good chance it would have been Georgia. Ended up being like point one point difference between the two. Um, wow. So start to finish, it turns out Michigan probably was the best team in college football all year. And I love that college football is a sport where the best team usually um, wins the national championship. And that's where the structure has been set up. So uh, congrats to Michigan. Incredible season. And Jim Harbaugh gets to do exactly what he said he was going to do. He wanted to come back to the alma mater, save it, get it a championship. And now he's back to go get what he missed out on in 2012. And he wants to go and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's one of these perfect things of like, you know, he, he timed his rule breaking just right where it's for a lot of reasons. (laughs) You know, all of this stuff like, hey, I'm really going to take it serious and we're going to ramp up. Basically, they started breaking the rules and then they started really winning games. They started beating Ohio State. They started getting to the playoff. And then 
they really ramp up and, and win this year. And I don't want to credit it all to like cheating. I really do think they're a great team. They're like, I, I'm a lot of this is tongue in cheek, but like it kind of from an outsider's perspective feels like, uh, it's just like, a he's, he just created this like, you know, burn pile and they like lit the match through it and like left and just, it's like burning behind him. But, uh, I don't know, you know, if there's going to be any sort of sanctions or anything crazy come about, but I know that he's not going to be the one serving anything. Um, you know, now he's accepted the job with Los Angeles chargers. Uh, I think a great situation for him, great situation for the chargers. I think he's a phenomenal coach. He's one of the better coaches that can you know, translate from the college to the NFL and back to college, back to the NFL. So interested to see what he does there with Justin Herbert and that whole team. Um, what it, you know, leaves for Michigan. I'm kind of curious. The NCAA has been very inconsistent, so we don't even <laughs> know what the findings necessarily will be. I know. I mean, obviously he only, he didn't coach for six games this season because of different suspensions. So who knows what's really going to happen. And, you know, they've tried to grow in that they don't want to punish current players. So who knows, there might be just a slap on the wrist. It might not really even be anything really bad. It, they probably would have just wanted to punish Harbaugh himself. And now that he's out, you know, they might not, you know, who who knows if there's going to be any sanctions come down, but kind of a good ending for him to like, he knew he needed to leave after this season for obvious for those kinds of reasons gives his championship on the way out. And then now he gets to, to go to a pretty good situation and, uh, and, and see if he can, you know, win that Super Bowl like you're saying with a much easier schedule in the NFL. So, uh, right. Yeah. Good for Jim Harbaugh. Um, looks like Michigan now, you know, all signs point to Sharon Moore being the next coach at Michigan, which, Again, I think it makes a lot of sense for Michigan, especially if you like internally they believe in Sharon Moore. He stood he stood in as interim coach for four games this season of the six um, during the suspension. Uh, it's also going to be able to keep the staff and team together most likely. Yeah. Um, which at this late in the cycle, I think is your best bet because here's the thing: Michigan was already going to lose a ton of talent to the NFL. Right after this season, regardless of if if Harbaugh left or not, um, you know Jim Harbaugh said preseason he wanted to break Georgia's draft record this year of fifteen mm. players taken in one draft, and I mean it's going to be double digits. So like the, they're they're going There's to at least be in the sure. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this team is always going to be different, but again, to keep the team you've got coming back together, I think that's the best move and. You can get him for cheap, and if it doesn't work out, you can probably cut ties in a couple of years and go get a big time name. Like you got your championship; it's kind of a new era. Um, at this point, I mean, I guess you, I mean you could steal somebody from Michigan, but uh, I like the move of Sherman Moore, and all signs point to it being Sherman Moore. Yeah, and like you and I mentioned off the pod that there's a you know a rule in place of the state of Michigan that a job has to be posted for seven days before an announcement can be had. And so this was yep. just yesterday that, uh, jo- posted. The, the, the job was posted. So, um, I would expect it to be, um, you know, right at that seven days. 
roster retention is a very big deal, obviously, in this day and age. Um, and so with that, we can kind of move on to to the biggest news of the offseason thus far, which we have Alabama. Talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Saban um, retiring. It kind of seeming, I don't want to say out of left field, because I think there's always been this possibility for about the past five or six years. But like, there's also, I think, a part of the college football fan base that wanted it to be perfect a few years ago. And, you know, they in at several different points and he just kept staying. And so I think a lot of us just were like, you know what, I'll just believe it when I see it. Whenever he finally does it, that's when I'll believe that he is truly hung, hung it up. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot on the internet, a lot on Twitter, uh, from whether it be Bama fans or Bama insiders or, you know, whatever that were very upset with the rule of, you know, there being 30 days after a coach leaves that the, um, you know, roster is able to get into the transfer portal and be eligible that year. Uh, it timed out in such a way where, you know, Saban waited and I guess waited till he felt the time was right, which was the day that classes started. And, um, you know, it was kind of later in the cycle and he, he did that. The transfer portal window had already closed for other teams. So there's really just a spotlight on Alabama. And obviously they have a roster full of players that are very desirable for, you know, I mean, obviously they entering this past season, they were the, what number one team talent composite rated team ever. So there's tons of talent um, on that roster. And there's a lot that can be spread around to several schools. So you had everybody kind of coming in like vultures uh, to that roster. So, you know, just kind of a, a, a tough spot to be in. Um, yeah. But I think it's also like a, you know, recognize what just happened. You just had the greatest coach of all time for 16 years. So like, you know, it's okay if there's a little bit of turnover in this moment. Yeah. Other, other people have been dealing with turnover. You're just not immune to it. You've had the greatest coach of all time on your sidelines. Yeah. I mean, twofold here. I want to talk about Saban and then DeBoer getting hired. Like one, Saban's the goat. I mean, transparently you and I, Grown up Georgia fans, we we have uh, been on the other side of Saban having our number for 17 years. Um, so look, respect to the GOAT. He's the greatest ever to do it. Like him, especially the last decade, dealing with all the changes in college football and still winning, um, incredible. Um, so happy retirement. Um, he's, he's GOAT status. He's done it at a couple different schools. Um, it's unbelievable what, what he did in his career. And I mean, he's just the greatest to ever do it. I don't know if we'll see another one like Saban. Um, but he, uh, uh, but Elliot's been all over this. I do think that he was trying to win one more time outside of a COVID year. And if he had won it with Bryce in 21 or 22, that he would have called it quits and did the Harbaugh going out on top, you know, Harbaugh's going to the NFL, but, Right. Just win and leave. Um, and then finally he was just like, okay, if it's not going to happen, like he, I, he's like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like the schedule, the recruiting earn roster, all that other stuff. Like eventually you're going to have enough. So um, he walks away. DeBoer comes in and look again, as a Georgia fan, I say this, 
we love Kirby Smart. He's already the greatest coach in Georgia history, in my opinion. Um, and whenever Kirby leaves, we, we don't know what the sport's going to look like then, but I'll just say it was next off season. Kirby leaves. Um, the whole turnover thing and like players leaving and all this other stuff happening. That's just the price you pay for having right. the greatest coach in your school's history. And in Alabama's case, having the greatest coach of all time right. as your coach, this was always going to happen no matter what era of college football you were in. Like when Saban leaves, you're going to have a dip in something like Alabama going to the national championship next year. And I promise they're not going to have the consistency they had under Saban. He's the greatest of all time. So to me, it's like appreciate what you just had. Right. Because there might not be another one like him. And again, mm-hmm. DeBoer could come in and win three national titles in his time at Alabama. And it's still not going to be seven. <laughs> so um, we'll see. But uh, DeBoer, I think, is a winner. Um, he's won at every place he's been at. I know the question is like recruiting and he got a big recruiting win over the last couple of days with Ryan Williams recommitting to Alabama. Right. Um, that's, that's huge. one. That's huge. That's one. And I'm not surprised that an elite wide receiver committed to Kalen DeBoer. I mean, they're going to probably going to put three in the NFL this year, two first rounders. Right. Um, there's a chance from that Washington roster. So that's not surprising. Can he, can he and his new staff like, recruit defensive linemen um, the way that Alabama has. That, to me, is going to start to be the tell of, like, mm. you know, that's what the SEC recru- is recruiting is about, is when you're going up against Georgia and LSU for an elite defensive tackle. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's coming down between, you know, those are the big three a lot of times. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with the with the DeBoer angle. It's like, hey, good hire. I don't know, you know. I think the one confirmed coach they did go after that said no is Lanning. I know the rumors yeah. were like Norvell and Sark and stuff, but Jimmy Sexton's all their agents. So, but Lanning's the one that there's been enough smoke about that, like, like that was he was for sure offered. If like, they're not going to call it offered because they don't technically offer until the person accepts. He did not have a committable offer. He um, <laughs> was their number one pursuit, and it makes sense. He's from the tree. He gets it. He's recruited young. like crazy. He's, he's young. He's energetic, yep. and then. He He's has immediately done a great job at Oregon immediately. And yeah, staff hires and replacing because Exa- he had to replace, exactly. he had to Can replace Dillingham. Um, Dillingham. Exactly. Good. Yeah. So Brian will stop. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it was an obvious, like, Hey, he needs to, he, I, I think any elite program losing your coach landing would be the first one I would call. Um, because he's also somewhat realistic as far as like Alabama wasn't going to call for Kirby smart at Georgia. And you know, it was like if, if Kirby is not available because he's at his alma mater, who's the next guy we're going for. Yeah. It would be landing. So um, yeah, landing somewhat spurns them uh, and stays at Oregon, which huge for Oregon to be able to hold off, you know, Alabama coming for your coach. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Kalen DeBoer, I agree with everything you said as far as, you know, he's a proven winner and he's could be a great coach as far as at this level. Um, he's been great everywhere he's been. He's going to have to, you know, I think people were trying to compare this to like Brian Harson going to Auburn a couple years ago. 
Nothing and like I just, it. I just really got to like press the brakes. <laughs> the only way it's like that is that he didn't come from the incestuous SEC tree. <laughs> That's the only the only comparison. Other than that, these are two completely different candidates. Yep. Um, yes, he doesn't have recruiting ties to the South necessarily. I think that that's going to be an emphasis on all of his staff hires. Um, but he can also choose to win a somewhat different way. Not that he's not going to recruit at Alabama, but maybe he doesn't get number one classes. Maybe he gets top 10 classes and maybe he just really focused on coaches and coaching them up and having maybe a schematic advantage and, you know, whatever it is, but I agree with you. Probably the, the biggest tell is like the lines of scrimmage, specifically defensive line in the sec. Like you still have to have some dudes there. So you can't go all perimeter and expect to expect to be there. Uh, and one other thing I was going to mention about the transfer portal, obviously they had 30 days, still, still have 30 days within the 30 day time frame of since Saban left to kind of get poached from the roster but when it opens back up, Alabama will certainly be a desirable place for yep. others to go. So there will be a reckoning of sorts. Alabama will have time to kind of assess where they are roster-wise, who they need to target and go after. And there's going to be a lot of people, even though they're not going to play for Saban, they're going to want to play for Alabama. So uh, they'll kind of be a, a bounce back. Right now it feels like Alabama is down, but they'll certainly come back. But um, you know, I can't say down without talking about Caleb Downs, which was like they're probably the largest loss. Um, and him going to Ohio State. Ohio State has got quite the roster already. They add Quinshawn Judkins, they add Julian Sayan, uh, early enrollee for Alabama, who's now transferred to to Ohio State, and Caleb Downs, freshman All American last year. In addition to already returning great players that they already had and getting a transfer at quarterback in Will Howard. So, I mean, we're going to go through all the lists throughout the offseason, but Ohio State has to be sitting atop the atop that those lists of being one of the most impressive rosters out there and uh, certainly going to be one of those early favorite picks, uh, especially with potentially Michigan taking a step back after losing Harbaugh. So. Definitely exciting to uh, to kind of keep tabs on that. Yeah, Downs, man, he's he's unbelievable. I, I thought Pate said this really well. He just said Ohio State's had enough. Like they, they saw the maize and blue confetti fall, and they said enough's enough. Uh, yeah. What's the what's the figure, Ryan? They said for nil money. Sweet, you'll have that and then some. Um, yeah. Enough's enough, and, and they've got the roster. Like I'm wondering this: does Sand come in and start? I think. He's certainly more talented than Will Howard. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. And Devin Brown. I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, I think obviously Devin Brown. But yeah, Saiyan, I think is he's that type of dude that can come in. He's a typical Ohio State quarterback. That's kind of like he's one of those guys that's a dude that can that can spin it and um, you know kind of move around a little bit. I mean, this defense is going to be nasty again, though. JT Tuamula is coming back. Dude, everybody came back I mean, on defense. That's they're like... just all they're just stacked. It's it's going to be it's going to be impressive. Jacob also just wanted to call one other thing out. Seventy five percent of the college football playoff coaches 
left their team. Now, granted, one of them went to another team, to another playoff team, but. Well, and Saban retiring was like the the catalyst there, obviously. Um, but it's really Saban and Harbaugh leaving, and then obviously DeBoer leaving for, for Alabama. But it's kind of uh, it's kind of shocking to have that much at the top shuffle all around. This is, I mean, Jacob, prior to both of them leaving, retiring, and then also leaving, if we we're doing a list, let's just say top 10 college football coaches. I mean, they'd both probably be in the top three. I mean, obviously Saban, yes. but yes. Harbaugh is at least yep. three, probably two. Depends on who you're asking, you know? So I think that's – so you literally lost two of the top three coaches in this college sport. football this year. I think it's two things. I think it's, you know, sad because somewhat of an end of an era – and you know, it got respect for just all the eras of college football. That's just one of the great traditions. But Saban era, honestly. the Saban era, man, kind of looking back. And then two, it's kind of exciting because it kind of feels like it's just a reshuffle, like reshuffle the deck, and it's just kind of open going into a twelve-team playoff year. Reshuffle a few things. It's not, you know, it's going to feel different, but I don't think it's a negative. I think that it's just different. You know, it can be still very entertaining, very positive, you know, and a lot more teams feel like they have a shot because there's no Nick Saban out there. You know, like I said, Harbaugh gone, Michigan somewhat can be had maybe. Um, So, yeah. I'm worried that if something in the sport doesn't change, that like this will not be the, last top 10 coach to just walk away from the sport. Um, I mean, if this were this time next year, we would be three days removed from the national championship game. Yeah. Just think about that. Like, as far as timeline goes, um, yeah, this, I mean, something's got to change with the schedule. You can't have, like, preparing for playoff games and also portal and recruiting her and roster and also high school recruiting and early signing day. And I mean, it's just like, and staff I turnover, think, interviewing for jobs, and like, I'm like, I'm just worried a top coach will just be like, I'm done. I like, I, I've made like my it's money. It's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. I'm gonna go be a dad, and you know, yeah. And uh, I think one of the things I read for Saban, obviously he's gonna be a natural fit if he wants to do media stuff. He's always been pretty good with that. He's very, you know, likable on screen, and I think that you know. If there's some sort of a college game day guest situation or regular segment or whatever, or if there's just other stuff, I think he'd be interested in doing. Uh, but I did actually hear a couple of things from a couple of different uh, sources um, or, you know, a couple of different uh, sites posting that he's also interested in uh, being kind of an ambassador for the game. So I think that that would be something. Commissioner, man. I don't in. know necessarily about, I mean, I, that'd be sick, but, uh, uh, but I think more or less of helping structure, you know, kind of the, whether it be the season, the off season, the portal windows, like helping to come up with a realistic solution of, of how to, you know, kind of keep things in place. Cause Saban's somewhat always been for, you know, the 
players to have more, you know, have a piece of the pie, have all that kind of stuff, you know, whether it be NIL or, you know, transfer. He, he just wanted, he just needs guardrails and he, he mentioned those kinds of things. So I think he could probably be a good catalyst for helping to, you know, cause his voice, you know, is important in those kinds of rooms. He could potentially help in getting a good structure for the future of college football and preserving the game. Like you were talking about getting the portal windows figured out, moving signing day, figuring all that out, helping to kind of, you know, mitigate some of those issues and, you know, um, helping, helping to maybe take some of the load off of the head coaches uh, in the sport so that they do stick around and, you know, keep college football great. Exactly right. Well, we will be back during the off season here. We're going to go bi-weekly uh, for the podcast. We can stay consistent. Um, so we'll be back in here in a couple weeks for the podcast. But that'll do it for this edition of the Extra Point. Be sure to follow Daniel on Twitter slash X. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to stop calling it Twitter. Um, it's Twitter. At Deep South Daniel. You can follow me at Jacob Carnes with a K. That'll do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He's Daniel. I'm Jacob. See you.